Support the Amigos podcast and keep the Amiga goodness flowing for just a dollar a month. Visit our page at patreon.com slash Amigos podcast. Amiga, the first personal computer that gives you a creative edge. Amigos, the podcast about everything Amiga. Amigos is a proud member of the Throwback Network, your home for quality retro podcasts. And now, here are your hosts, Aaron Dowdy and John Bodovkar Schaller. Hey everyone, welcome to the Amigos. I'm Aaron. And I'm John. Ah. Welcome to our Halloween spooktacular. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about ghosts and goblins. I am a spooky ghost. And uh, Bubble Ghost. The friendly ghost with a bubble. Um, but and ghouls and ghosts. Ghouls and ghosts. And ghouls and ghosts, yeah. That one's hardly worth mentioning, though. Oh, my. <laughs> uh, but before we get started, we got a ton of feedback, so we're going to save some of this for the end of the show. But I did want to read one little thing. Our buddy Graham wrote in. This is a guy that he's one of our Patreon sponsors. All right, Graham. And, yep, and uh, he has a German, difficult-to-pronounce last name. Okay, go, you got to give it okay. a shot. Well, I'm going to read his message first. He oh, says, okay. um, thanks for making such a great podcast. Um, it's so much fun to listen to your thoughts and experience with, with the Amiga and gaming, plus you both tell stories so well, too. Oh, thank you, Graham. Finally, uh, someone that says that. <laughs> uh, he says, makes me think back to when I started using the Amiga in the late 1980s, at the Commodore Users Group I used to attend with my C64 and being ever so envious of the Amiga 500 owners. Um, he said, uh, anyway, he's slowly going through the back catalog of podcasts via YouTube. So it's a good, you, it was a good idea for you for us to put them on there um, because the podcast feed only keeps the latest 20 episodes. No kidding. I forgot I had that idea. Good yeah, job. Good yeah. job, Bo. And um, he said that he'd love to one day hear our thoughts on a couple games. I'm going to throw these at you. All right. Black Crypt. You know anything about oh, that? Oh, boy. I, I vaguely recall it playing it. I think it's like an adventure game, I haven't, but it's been forever. That's I'd like to play I'd like to play some of those games, too, those type of games. Uh, Jim Power in Mutant Planet? Nope. No idea? Nope. And Theme Park? I never played Theme Park. I, I think know, we I should know do, of it. We should do Theme Park. Okay. Bullfrog game, Team 17. Yeah, I mean, you know it's going to be, it's probably going to have a pretty good chance if, if Bullfrog's fine. Yeah, yeah. I'd yeah. be down with that. Um... He said, thanks for the shout-out at the end of the shows. Uh, you pronounce his name. The His first name, of course, is Graham. His last name is Vebke. Vebke. Okay, Vebke. Yeah. So he, he put some kind of pronunciation there. Yeah, in German. Vebke. Okay, cool. Uh, so thank you, Graham. Yeah, thanks uh, a lot. He said, keep the good work, Graham, from Sydney in Australia. Okay. So, awesome. Um, so the rest of the feedback, we got tons of feedback on your first-person shooter memories on the Amiga. So we'll get to that at the end of the show. But for right now, we're going to jump right in with some Amiga news. Well, most of what I've got to talk about this week on the news is is sort of going to be covered when we go over the show, over the uh, uh, web changes this week, the uh, stuff that's been uploaded. Ooh, look at that cup. <laughs> Come in here and talk that you. Um, I want to talk to a, about a couple things. One thing I've thought which was particularly amusing. Uh, for, if any of you have been watching uh, Gary Hucker's uh, uh, I guess ongoing series about his incredible super treasure trove honey hole of Amiga goodness down there in New Zealand. Uh, 
it's been very interesting. And one of the things we talked about this week, and I thought it would, we could discuss just very briefly, since we both are sort of in the same game, is batteries going bad in these games. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has found many, many of the Amigas that have that battery that has has corroded and got and, and leaked all over the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, horrible. These are like the little watch batteries. That's right? right. And we have the same problem in arcade machines, but even more so in pinball machines. Uh, most pinball machines of any modern age, and I don't, I don't, I'd say yours There's obviously no does not. In that, yeah. uh, but uh, uh, we have uh, we have uh, several pinball machines. I think I think all of ours actually. Uh, we have a Coney Island. We have a Mister Mrs. Pac Man. We have a Firepower Two. We have WWF Royal Rumble, and we have uh, help me out here the one that Brent likes. Um, uh, oh, uh, Who Done It? Right. right. And these all have batteries. And I know from a lot of my pinball buddies that when these things go bad, what will happen is since the, they keep the high scores, they're in the back box of these pinball machines, and they will leak, and they'll leak down onto the board, and we'll just and we'll just burn through it. And so when you've got a board that's got that nastiness on it, you really have no choice but to, if you want to keep the board, you have to jump for those lands and rerun lands, and it can... And, God forbid if it gets on chips or then you're screwed. Mm-hmm. You're screwed. So, and in a CPU, it can be much, much worse because everything is lands and chips. You don't have, you know, uh, you don't have much of a choice. So, I know Gary's going through the, going through the ringer down there, uh, and uh, uh, you know, keep on trucking, man. I mean, you've got a long way to go. So, but it's interesting to see. I mean, there's a fail, <coughs> and I was thinking because I mean, that's a I see a lot of those type batteries, and you don't see that those kind of really blow up that much or fail that much. I don't know if it's a weather thing or you know why they would or I think store, batteries. Stored. I think batteries just over time. They yeah, but just I mean, it's, I've got stuff with batteries that old that are still okay. But I mean, I guess you are getting into the area now where you're talking thirty years and mm-hmm. some of that stuff. We don't so. have a lot. I don't have a lot of stuff outside of old computers that that's, that's old. yeah right. But I used to work with a lot of old computers. I had the computer job. And it was something I very rarely saw. but mm-hmm. So, I don't know. If maybe Of course, knowing Commodore, they could have bought the cheapest crap batteries they could find. or so, Who knows? Right. But uh, I guess word of the wise, if you've got an old Amiga uh, that has a real-time clock in it, mm-hmm. it might, might be time to change a battery. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest for with sure. you. For sure. And that goes for um, you know old <laughs> cartridge-based uh, save systems. Um, those batteries will eventually fail, but you know if you really want to protect your Legend of Zelda or something like that, you know, open it up and put a new battery in it. I will say the one thing about that cartridge I got for the Super Nintendo that didn't work, uh, it works for some people, is the fact that you can you can back up your save games on it from the directly from the cartridge, and you can put them back. And it, that's one of the main reasons that thing is used is to swap out those batteries and put new ones in. Which I don't know how big a hassle that is on a cartridge. You ever done that before? Never, never. Uh, um, I guess it wouldn't. Be, I guess they use a standard battery. Yeah, I think so, like it's the CR O three two or something. It like that. It gives one pause. to wonder if that thing would surely that thing's not socketed in there. Sure, no. it's just hardwired on the board, right? No, it's it's, it's socketed on there. You think it's yeah, socketed? I, you know, because I've seen this better for they just they literally have extensions well, that go to the board like pins or. I all. tell you what, um, the on Super Nintendo, I'm pretty sure they are. On the original Nintendo, it might be a different system. Mm, but. I don't know. Interesting, uh, but. Uh, uh, Gary's had some interesting adventures down there. If you haven't been following it, uh, I was just reading his article and where he talked about uh, finding one of the Amigas with one of the ROM switchers, which I really wonder what those back in the day lets you put. Usually, what people would do would be put like three point one or or two point 
2.1 or 2.4. I can't remember which one it was. But anyway, they'd swap it with 1.3. You would have a switch, and you could go back and forth between the two ROMs for maximum compatibility. Mm -hmm. Not as big a deal now as it was then, but still, that was a pretty awesome thing yeah, to have. It's amazing all that stuff that he found down there in, in New Zealand. Yeah, it's it. Like I said, just watching his, his adventures. And Gary's... And by the way, I guess we should announce that Gary's joined... Oh, the, yeah. Gary Hucker has officially joined the Amigos writing staff. Welcome aboard. We uh, we appreciate his uh, write-up of all of this Amiga stuff that he's come into contact with. And I uh, can't wait to see his future articles on, on other Amiga-related topics. This has been a great week. We're so ludicrously lucky and fortunate. Because this, just this week, we had Gary... We had Dreamcatcher, we had Will, and they all put up great fresh stuff. Mm -hmm. Of course, Dreamcatcher cannot be stopped. He is a <laughs> he's a man on a mission. I had a guy write me and say, "Man, just Dreamcatcher stuff so awesome!" But he's like, "He's so fast, I can't even keep up." I'm three articles back. I'm like, "Well, they're gonna be here." You know, <laughs> I'm not lying. That's an actual trash. I got a message that said mm -hmm. that. And then Will uh, put up an article this week on, on installing that one. Well, the uh, Indivision, yeah, the clicker things, mm -hmm. and and that was interesting. Yeah. boy, that's. It was it was well done on yeah. that article, and of course Gary's put up just a load of stuff this week. So uh, this is a great week to uh, to uh, check out Amigos dip your toe in the pool, yeah, yeah, man. And also we happen to be there occasionally, right? So <laughs> every once in a while, put up with us and yeah. come back for them. As you know. <laughs> uh, but uh, the one thing I did find this week, and I got to hey O'Brien's, he's done it again. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, I've asked a couple times about the Amiga Roundtable. Did you see this? Thing? I saw it. Did you actually listen to it at all? I have not listened to it yet. Tell so, me about it. Uh, O'Brien's, our good friend, friend of the show, and longtime sponsor, has uh, uh, dug up a couple of these episodes of this of this wacky show, uh, the Amiga Roundtable, and it all stems from somebody, gosh, probably five months ago, said that like we were the we were the guys taking up the mantle of the Amiga Roundtable. And I was like, what the hell's that? And so I now have the answer. Uh, they were around, I actually did a lot of research on this because I'm an idiot. <clears throat> they were around, I think, up till the end of 2013, Okay. <clears throat> I think. It was right in that ballpark. That's when their site went away. And the only things that they've got on U, on uh, Ustream, that's right, Ustream, <laughs> which I honestly, I didn't know they were still around. No, uh, I thought that they <clears throat> were... They've been absorbed yeah, by... But uh, they're still around, and, they, and the uh, um, Amiga... Uh, Roundtable have two, I think one they have two episodes on there I think that's forty eight and forty nine I think mm. are on there now uh, and these guys are sharp guys in terms of what they know they're they're way beyond us in terms they're they know all about the new stuff hard they're these guys were the sharp but they're, they're completely it's like if you listen to it I I couldn't identify with anything they said. Because it was all stuff so, that we don't cover. Yeah, it was you know newer stuff and operating system stuff, and we're just a couple goofs playing us some games, mm -hmm. covering some news, you know, having some having some cold ones. You know, that's about that's about the it, it, the seriousness <laughs> level of, the, of us. But but these guys had a crazy couple live broadcast. They were eating, and there's a chick bringing them food. They were. <laughs> Killing each other back and forth over Skype or whatever. Of course, this was many years ago, so the connections are all mm. whacked out. It was. It, I don't know if their actual podcasts so they, are like that. If that was forty nine and fifty, they must have done quite a few episodes then. I want to say they did fifty two or fifty three episodes, mm -hmm. and I don't have any idea of the frequency. 
you can see what you can see their old web page and the na- like what the names of the episodes were and how long you know but I mean they're they're all gone yeah so but uh, interesting I linked it up on the Google Plus I was telling Bud I'm going to start taking over some of the duties on the Facebook page and sort of keep it up with the Google Plus and uh, so this stuff will be appearing on both our feeds now plus they're always uh, going to be around. On the on the Google Plus, if you end up not being a Facebook person, uh, the and a lot of the stuff we I link off to comes directly off our site, amigaspodcast.com. Uh, so it'll still be there. But if you feel like listening to the Amiga Roundtable, or maybe you are a guy, I don't know if those guys are listening. Maybe so. You know. Hey, know. if you're one of the guys that was on that show, why don't you drop us a line? And let us know what y'all are up to. <laughs> It'd be interesting to know. Uh, but uh, so mystery solved. And again, uh, thanks to uh, O'Brien's on that. Uh, but uh, so you want to go over some updates? I kind of briefly touched on it there with the well, site. You pretty much did everything. Uh, did I do it all? Yeah. Dreamcatcher, uh, Dreamcatcher a... he put up an article about a um, a British the BBC's answer to uh, Bad Influence, which was the gaming TV show that was not a BBC show. It was like maybe Channel Four or something like that. One of the other non BBC channels, um, and. Uh, it was interesting. It was uh, a ki- it was a segment yeah. off of a kid's show, right? And the host of it ended up being this chiseled killer, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. some kind of gay pinup pin icon. Guy, yeah. So, um, but I, I put a, a link up to that on Reddit, and I guess a lot of people have memories, few of them good, about this that, particular show. That was a strange <laughs> article from Dream, even by Dreamcatcher's standards. Mm-hmm. I read that. I was like, man, this is some what so, a weird thing this yeah, is. Yeah. Yeah. So he put that up. Of course, Will Williams uh, talking about the. The you know the 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 Indivision is more than just a, a flicker fixer or a scan doubler. It it, it kind of is like a mini vampire. It opens up some other possibilities for your Amiga. I think there might be more RAM in there or something like that, uh, because there are some games that will only work on an Amiga with an Indivision ECS on it, or you know something similar to I mean, that. modern games. Yeah, modern games. Okay, interesting. So uh, that article was great, and of course Gary Hucker is just a tidal wave of Amiga goodness. Uh, going through that huge lot of Amigas that he he discovered. Yeah, keep it coming, Gary. We're, we're really enjoying it. Everybody, everybody, all your stuff this week was was top shelf. I yeah. really I really enjoyed it. That's the best thing about going there. Some of the practice our site, it's great. I oh yeah, I love going to our site <laughs> and seeing I'm... new stuff on yeah. there. You know, um, so that's it. Really, it for site updates this week. Um, yeah, there wasn't much news. I uh, um, really someone linked me to a, a podcast. They were talking about something to do with, I think it was a vampire or something like that. And I haven't got to, to the fellow that, that I haven't, just haven't got to listen to it yet. I've been, it's been a helter skelter week. So, but by the end of October, things cool down for me. I've got some upcoming. I'm working. I've got a couple Amigo plays that I've that I've got preliminarily set to do. I'm going to do stunt car racer since our version was horrible. Mm-hmm. And that I, definitely needs redone. And I'm going to do. We had a heck of a time uh, shooting ghosts and goblins. We didn't have trouble with the other two games, but Ghosts and Goblins, we had trouble getting the emulation to run. So I've got it on the uh, on the computer back at the house. Of course, I've got my own problems because I, I can't find an NTSC version. But I'm going to try to find one, and when I do, I'll, I'll I've got other means too. So I hope we all get an Amigos play of that kind of. So look for more Amigos plays for me if you want them. And uh, I've got a few things uh, in the pipeline. Hopefully, more time coming after October is over. October, my family are the Halloween maniacs, and so we've. It's been every night crazy time, so I'm looking forward to a rest. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> well, let's jump right into the games then. So, first game on the list 
is uh, we were going to start with um, Ghosts and Goblins, right? Ghosts and Goblins, sure. Uh, I looked into Ghosts and Goblins. Now, uh, obviously, anyone that hasn't been living in a cave has heard of Ghosts and Goblins. Uh, you're looking at uh, released in 1990, right? So fairly early title, not super early. Uh, one disc. Uh, published by an outfit called Elite. <clears throat> I, think I had a heck of a time finding a lot on these guys. Uh, they did a lot of conversions. Right. Uh, they did Paperboy. That's, that's what I was thinking yeah. of. But they did some other stuff that were pretty solid. They did they did Buggy Boy. Uh, they did a Commando, Akari Warriors, Bomb Jack. Uh, so they, and Joe and Mac, and you know, Ninjas. I read an article about them in Retro Gamer, <clears throat> and they were one of the first companies to just go out to Japan back before computer companies were doing this and securing these licensing deals for pennies, I mean, almost, because there was no competition. Of course, once, I think Commando was the big game. Once they made Commando, everybody started going to Japan and checking these guys out. Yeah, I, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I know I know that uh, um, they had a good working relationship with Capcom, at mm -hmm. least on this game, uh, because they, they had, I guess, I mean, unprecedented access to it. You know, we... We went over a silkworm where the guys just basically like looked at the machine. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm guessing these guys ha had everything they wanted from this because I mean, uh, the the Ghosts and Goblins port to the Amiga is incredibly detailed to the arcade, which we'll get into. Uh, also, Elite did a two of my a two of my ones I thought were entertaining. Space Harrier, that again is pretty good, and Thundercats. I've done Thundercats. Thundercats, like the 80s you know, cartoon like Thunder, series. Thunder, yeah. Thundercats, oh! I wore that. a Thundercats shirt on my very first day of school in you know, kindergarten. I never liked Thundercats. The art was great, but I thought the stories were garbage. Well, I was six. Well, that's understandable. I was in my 20s. <laughs> Late 20s. <laughs> yeah, shut up. Um, anyways, uh, this uh, the uh, the coder for this was a guy named Richard Frankish. No. Uh uh, Richard did a lot of the ones we just spoke about. He did Buggy Boy, did Akari Warriors, Paper Boy. He did Pool. Uh, he did um, Attack the Mutant Camels, if you ever heard of that. Uh, a lot of these guys uh, worked on sort of the same stuff. Um, this worked on ECS, OCS. Uh, it was a... Uh, to uh, Let's try to explain what this game is. Uh, Ghosts and Goblins is a side-scrolling... Let's call it arcade sh action shootery. Uh, no, I think shooter it's, platform. Yeah, shooter platform. Uh, the uh, it's it's like it's the very first edition of a game like Metal Slug. Metal Slug is the ultimate evolution of this kind of a game. I can see that. Uh, you play Arthur. Your uh, girlfriend is kidnapped by Satan. Mm -hmm. Yep. Unfortunately, in an awesome opening sequence. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> cool music. Uh, the uh, Satan takes her to his evil underground lair. Ooh. Arthur dons his shiny armor mm -hmm. and starts off to a graveyard in pursuit uh, of, and, and that's one of many stages that in this game. And of course, he's bombarded by ghouls and ghosts and zombies and demons and every other thing. Um, very popular game had a reputation for being one of the hardest arcade games ever released, mm -hmm. and, and even the NES game. There was something that you had to do after you beat the last boss. Sure, you had to go, you had to go through the whole game again. Oh, okay. that was the that was the bad. <laughs> that thing. was the thing you had to do. Now the Amiga version, you don't have to do that. 
once you beat him, you're it's over. The arcade version was crippling. And I remember here, I think the, the demon guy, once you beat him, he says, like, this was just a test. <laughs> yeah, and then you're like, what? I mean, I can imagine. Because, I mean, think about it. And this was the an era where you weren't putting money in to continue. Mm-hmm. You were uh, starting over. Right. And uh, something we should, when we're talking about the game, we should mention that uh, your guy puts his armor on, and you get three men, and you can take two shots. The first shot, which amusingly, knocks your armor off. And so then you're just Arthur... King of the Britons in his underpants, <laughs> walking around, which I always thought that was so funny. funny. There's something clever and amusing about because Arthur. Because the, the, when the, ar- the armor doesn't just disappear, it just like bounces off. Yeah, yeah it just yeah. flies off. <laughs> and so, like, it reminds me of when like uh, Charlie Brown misses the football or gets right. hit with the baseball. You see this right. clothes, you know, right there. So poor Arthur has to go in his skivvies, you know. But uh, it's it's this game has enough. I mean, your girlfriend's stolen by Satan. So that's pretty heavy, mm-hmm. but it's such a nothing's really everything's sort of goofy looking. Even, yeah, it's the, de- even the devil is kind of goofy. Yeah. Look, you know, it's kind of tubby. Or, right. This is know. not Moonstone. No, 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 certainly not. Not nearly as bad. Um, uh, in in Japan, I think this is called. Uh, I'm gonna try to pronounce this. Makamura. Does that sound right to you? Sure. A, a demon world village, mm. and it was it was it came out in the arcade in '85. Oh, so I was right on that in the, in the, in the earlier game. Um, so your your girlfriend's name is Princess Prin Prin. Of course. Makes sense. And Satan is referred to as King of Demon World. <laughs> so no good. Um, the uh, Amiga version of this... Uh, first of all, this was a very successful game for Capcom in the arcade. Of course, this was 85. The arcade was still on its feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, of course, naturally, you would get ports. Now, uh, this was ported over uh, in '90, and the and the port of this appeared on the Amiga after the sequel to this, which Boat's going to go over later, had already appeared on the Amiga. So, it was in reverse order, mm-hmm. uh, which is goofy. Right. You know? There wasn't there another game that that was like. Haven't we covered another game where the sequel came out before the first game? That sounds oddly familiar. Maybe Last me. Ninja or something, yeah, something like, like that. that. Um, this was a big, big hit on the uh, C64, uh, and it came out in '86 on the C64, uh, and it was known for its really good music. All right, this has also got tremendous music. We'll get to that in a second. Um, uh, th- this one, if <laughs> here's one of the things that people uh, were shocked about when it came out. So you get this home. Uh, you got your Amiga 500. You fire it up, right? You've you've seen the you've seen the magazine articles, and you maybe saw it at your buddy's house. And you fire it up, and it starts, and there's no music at all. You're like, what the hell? Well, this game required at least a meg of memory to have the music. So if you didn't have, if you only had 512, which was a stock Amiga had 512 back in the day, you got no music with mm-hmm. it. So that's kind of a bummer. Mm-hmm. So there were some limitations about that. Um, this was released on the Famicom in 86. So you can see it was released a lot earlier on a lot of other systems before it got around to the to the Amiga. Uh, this thing was ported to everything on Earth. ZX Spectrum, Amstrad, CPC, MSX. The MSX version is good. I played that. Also, this uh, I think it's on X6800. I'm pretty sure it's got a version. Atari ST, uh, IBM PC... Uh, Game Boy, Game Boy Advance, Game Boy Color. It's, t- it's in collections. 
you know, at the wazoo, uh, you know, it's got there's tons of stuff uh, that it was on, pretty much everything. Um, Ghosts and Goblins became Capcom's eighth best-selling franchise, which I didn't know. Uh, and the franchise has sold 4.4 million units uh, with it and its sequels. Um, some of these sequels I totally you, forgot. Say that existed. one more time. You said that Ghosts and Goblins is Capcom's all-time, eighth, time. Oh, eighth, eighth okay. best-selling <laughs> game franchise. I was going to say, there's a lot but of still, heavy hitters there. Eighth, if you consider what Capcom has put out, that's not bad. And, I mean, you got to talk. You're talking about all these Street Fighters and your Mega and your Man, Mega Man's, Resident Evil, Resident, yeah, and it, and the and the beat goes mm-hmm. on. So eighth, I mean, if you consider that's not too bad. Have you played any of these spinoffs? Uh, uh, Super Ghosts and Ghouls yeah, and Ghosts, Ultimate Ghosts and Goblins, uh, Gargoyles Quest, and Maximo. So Gargoyles Quest is a Game Boy game. Okay. Um, and it is like a side-scrolling... Um, it's it's different than the, the... I didn't realize that that was a spinoff of Ghouls and Ghosts. I, um, I've not played it. Or Ghosts and Goblins. but And then I've also played the Super Nintendo uh, Super Ghouls and Ghosts, and it's just as hard as the arcade game. I, I can imagine. Um, so, all that aside, I've played the game, you've played the game a little bit. You've played it in the arcade, surely. Um, I think it's, it's, I I think it's a good port. I think it's the best. I mean, it's so good, it's unbelievable. The, uh, music is tremendous. The, uh, the, the, the way your guy moves is perfect. It's as close to arcade perfect. If you had the two screens side by side, you'd be hard pressed to tell which one was which. Mm. Um, I have, there there are some minor glitches that pop up on occasion, but for, and the only thing I could and the arcade I could jump backwards and fire. On this, I could not, and I, I and I noticed on the other one I couldn't either. The uh, uh, of course this has up for jump, your old nemesis, mm-hmm. and it makes it. I would rather have a button to jump because I'm used to it that way. So there's a thing, but given the given the limitations of the controller, I think this is a, as solid as it gets. As, I mean, of all the arcade ports, I don't know how you're going to ever top this. I mean, unless you imp- improve on the game somehow, I don't think you can ever top it. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> the uh, reviews were were pretty solid uh, back in the day. The uh, you're looking at somewhere between uh, oh. In the 70s to 80s, which actually, to me, that seems kind of low, but most of the major complaints were what took you so long. Right. So, looking back from our vantage, they're all old, mm-hmm. but, in, you know. Paperboy had the same criticisms leveled yeah. against it. Um, I looked at the, a couple of these reviews, and uh, people were staggered at the at how good it was, and, how, and they were happy that it was way, way better than the other uh, game of the franchise that was out uh, on there. Uh there are uh, there are cheats to make yourself invincible. I know in the pirated copy I had, there were all kinds of cheats. Cheats to start on what level, cheats to make yourself invincible, all kinds of crazy stuff. So if you really want to get through this game and you stink, like myself, uh, then you can you can probably get through it by cheating. Uh, <laughs> so that's pretty much but that's so that's pretty much the only way you're probably gonna get through it. Um, I looked this thing up on eBay. Um, this is a rare one. Really? And when I say rare, I mean it's out there, but it's expensive. And I double-checked these prices to make sure that someone just didn't get lucky. There are none available in the U.S. right now. There is, uh, there are boxed versions in the U.K. and Europe. 
I don't know if there, I can't remember if there, I think there may have been one copy for, that was, a, yeah, there was. There was one up right now in Spain for 490 bucks, U.S. dollars. My theory is that this game did not receive a U.S. release. It's possible. Um, the, uh, the the U.K. and Europe versions of this that have, that have popped up, have they've sold for 150 to 180 bucks U.S., which means it's not fishing. There were multiple multiple times that that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, according to what I've got here, this was... Uh, let's see if I actually have it li- listed if it had a, an American release here. Um, according to this, it was released by Accolade. Oh, no, that was Bubble Ghost. Hold on a second here. Let's try that one more time. Because I always write that down. Um... Yeah, it does. It doesn't have a a, a a listing for for U.S. That's amazing they wouldn't release that here because it was a pretty popular game here. So that may, that may be why I'm having trouble finding an NTSC. I think there is an NTSC version. Because I remember reading the uh, the WHD load text and they mentioned fixing a bug in the NTSC version. Okay, so there may there probably is one somewhere. So I just haven't found it yet. Um, again, this was a really popular game on the C64. Uh, it didn't sell as well as they thought it would on the Amiga. Uh, who knows why, you know. Uh, but uh, overall, uh, if you're looking for an arc, I mean, this is the version, mm-hmm. period. Uh, so if you're looking for a, a, the exact version from the arcade, this is the one. You know, and difficulty and all. There you go. What do you got? Well, I didn't get a chance to play Ghosts and Goblins that because it, yeah, I couldn't get we, it to work. Yeah. So uh, we it was a team effort. Even Aaron, with all his Amiga expertise, ran into a blip wall. So... Or I'll await your uh, Amigos Plays video to see see what's going on with it. Right on. Uh, but we did get a chance to play the sequel, Ghouls and Ghosts. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so this game is it's a lot. It's more the same, but it's worse. Yeah. If I was going to sum up the whole game in, in one sentence, that would be it. Um, the you are still Arthur. Uh, I assume your lady has still been captured. Um, you still don your armor. Uh, your armor still knocked off you, leaving you in your underwear. Um, <laughs> Can't get rid of that. Yeah. The uh, but there's just not a whole lot different about the game. Um, now in Ghosts and Goblins, do you have a choice of what weapon you start with? No, no not what you start with. Okay, because in the Nintendo version it would be randomly selected. Sometimes you'd start with fire, and sometimes you start with the axe. And I didn't know if it was like that in the Amiga hmm, no version. Yeah. Um, in this game, of course, in Ghouls and Ghosts, you start with the axe. Uh, the game is tremendously difficult. Um, enemies will spawn directly underneath you. You know, they'll rise up from the ground. Rise from your grave. Um, they will... <laughs> Why did uh, they... <laughs> they have a lisp? I don't remember that. <laughs> That's from... Uh, oh, what's that from? Uh, I know what it's from, Altered Beast, yeah. but I don't remember him going, wise from your way. Oh, yeah, he has a total uh, speech impediment. Wow. Um, so, um, Ghosts and Goblins, what are we talking about? So, Ghouls and Ghosts. Go- yeah, Ghouls and Ghosts. I didn't like it. Um, the graphics don't look great. The sound is the one bright spot. I thought the sound was very atmospheric. It didn't really have a tune, but it was just kind of like eerie things, eerie, uh, eerie cadences that would happen in the background. And some kind of spooky sound effects. Some sort of demonic synthesized triangle that would burrow its way into your eardrums. Um, yeah. 
that's uh, that's what I thought. There's not much to talk about Ghouls and Ghosts. It's just more of the same. It got it didn't get as good of reviews as uh, when was it? Ghost of Goblin. Did, this was ninety two. Uh, it came out in eighty nine. If you'll oh call. right, this came yeah, out this be- is the this was before. That's the, like I said with the true irony. The, the the this game came the the newer game came out first. Um, I didn't like this game that much. I mean, let me stop there. This would have been a fairly serviceable game if I hadn't played the other one. That made this one look that much worse. Uh, this is a a weak uh, a weak effort. Um, like Boat said, it, the way the enemies come out is sort of pathetic. Uh, this was developed by an outfit called Software Creations. They did. I know that we've done something by them before, haven't we? Uh, let me see here. They did Gauntlet 3, LED Storm. They did Sly Spy, which I, I like Sly Spy out in the arcade a lot. Renegade. So they did a lot. Of, they did some arcade port Bionic Commando, Bubble Bobble. Okay. So they, they did those. Um, this was a, a, a weak attempt, though, frankly. I, I just didn't think it was. The controls were f- kind of floaty, or they, just, they felt real loose. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, the, the hit detection seemed a little wacky to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And 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 in a game like this where, you know, it's instant, you you basically have two, you get two shots and you're dead. Um, hit detection is a big deal. Yeah. And, and on top of everything else, uh, the, uh, it's, it's too damn hard and I don't mind again, it's hard. I mean, Ghosts and Goblins is hard, but I feel like it's hard but fair. This game is hard, and I don't I don't feel like I'm getting a fair shake. If you watch the Amigas play of this, it's a pathetic display, frankly. <laughs> but that much said, uh, jump for jump for uh, uh, up for jump when you have to shoot up or diagonally, it's really tough. It's real tough, and that was getting me killed over and over. I didn't want to jump, you know. And it was, and you've got to get some momentum going too, you know. If you get stuck in like that kind of uh, pit, you have to run a little bit before you can jump out of it, and sometimes you just don't have time. Right. Um, again, this in this game, which I, I, as as from what I read, it sold better than the the the, the next one that came out in the Amiga. Uh, which is surprising, mm-hmm. you know. But of course, maybe by the end, of, I don't know. Who knows? But uh, overall, we, I thought this was a, a week of the three games we reviewed today. This was my least favorite. Mm-hmm. I haven't played it. I've played this. I'd played this back in the day, and uh, I didn't like it then either. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like you. These games were so hard that I sort of shot away from them. Mm-hmm. But I had a begrudging respect for for Ghosts and Goblins just because it was cute. The plot was good. The music was good. It was a well done game. Mm-hmm. It just I wasn't good at it. Yeah. And some people are. And if you get past the first level of that, and you get to that second level where you're going up to uh, to the building, man, it's because <laughs> because right, the, the first, first part of it's not that platforming. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't realize because they haven't gotten that far. You get in this game, you get in some serious platforming action. I mean, it's it is tough, brother. I mean, it is super tough. Without cheating, I could never have gotten anywhere near going past it. So. But the the but uh, ghouls and ghosts, I, I'd give that one a, a, a pass unless you're just a huge fan, and if you are, just play Ghosts and Goblins. It's way better. So. Yeah. Well, let's get off that and get on to a good game. Yes. Bubble Ghost. This was the surprise of the of the day. Yeah. Boat suggested that we that we do Bubble Ghost. 
and I had I never heard of it, and I don't know how popular this is. Maybe you guys out there have have, have some knowledge of it, but man, I up to uh, you never heard of it. I never heard of it. And how did tell the tell the good listeners how you decided we we're going to do this one? So I discovered this on the Amiga Reddit. Um, somebody put up a video of a platform comparison of all the different versions of Bubble Ghost, and I was like, Bubble Ghost, well, we've got our spooktacular coming up. Why don't we give this a shot? It had ghosts in the title. It had ghosts in the title. I had not played it to this point. Um, I was very pleasantly surprised to find that it's an excellent game. I really enjoyed it. Yep. Um, Bubble Ghost came out in 88, uh, so it was an an earlier game. Published in the U.S. by Accolade. Which I don't, know, I don't think we've done any accolade stuff yet, have we? No, accolade was a big. I didn't, I didn't realize they were involved in Amiga publishing. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they, in fact, on the Amiga, I just picked out some of the games that we actually have done one of their games or two of them. They did uh, El Elvira games. Oh, how ironic! <laughs> one year later, one. please, please don't turn us off. We're sorry we mentioned her. Um, they did the hardball games, which Ooh. I'm sure you've played those. Yeah. Uh, bar games, which is a guilty pleasure of mine. You ever played bar games? You ever played that? No, that That's, sounds great. We got to put that on the list. Okay. Um, fourth and inches, and they did the epic, tremendous Star Control, and it's even better sequel, Star Control Two, which didn't come out in the Amiga, unfortunately. Um, everywhere else in the world, this was done by, of course, you know it'd be these guys, Infograms, mm. out of France. Yeah. Uh, because this this crew, I guess this gang of people that did this were, were French French people. Um, two players. Uh, you know, hot seat. Uh, developed by an outfit called ERE or uh, Ear. I don't know if they. I don't, I don't know if they pronounce it or not. But it's a, it's sort of like a subset of infograms. Uh, these guys did some. I'm trying to think if we've ever heard of these. I mean, I've heard of a few. Of them. They did Captain Blood. This outfit. They did a game called Cult with a K. <laughs> they did a crazy game that yeah, I bet you've played this called Purple Saturn Day. Have you ever played that? No, that sounds cool. That's but... another one you should put on the list. I did. They did Warlock and Warlock's Quest. Purple Saturn Day is a, 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 a and that's why I'm not surprised that this team did it because that's a real out of the box sort of. Uh, if it's the game I'm thinking of, it's like it's like this weird. I put it on the PC. It's hard to explain. We we'll have to look into it sometimes. We'll put that on the list. Uh, the guy that did it's a guy, and I'm going to butcher, uh, uh, Stefan, or I guess it's Stephon. a guy. It's S-T-E with a little schwa, sh- mm-hmm. P-H-A-N-E, Stefani, Pike. Stefan Urkel. Pike, P-I-C-Q. Ooh. Um, and, this, th- and he also did the music, Double Trouble. So this is like his baby, I guess. He did. He is responsible for a game with a tremendous name, Chamber of the Sci-Fi Mutant Prince. Princess, <laughs> but he also did Dune. Dune was a pretty big deal mm-hmm. uh, back Adventure in the day. Adventure game, right? He also did Bubble Plus, which we'll talk about. Sort of a sort of I'm not gonna say a sequel, but an upgrade. Um, and and he did some of the other games that ERE did. Um, this game was an, uh, worked on the OCS, uh, you know, as you can expect, and was stunningly released on many, many, many things. I, again, I've never heard of this game, so I don't know how I missed it. Um, it, of course, you're, it's, it was released on something called the Amstrad slash Schneider CPC 464, bunch of numbers. I've never seen the Schneider added to that, have you? That, maybe that was what the Amstrad was called in Germany. Don't know. Um, I've never seen it written up like that, though, in Lemon. Let me see. Right there. Yeah. That's well, the, the CPC 464, uh, I think that that was the... Um, 
one of those was the the Amstrad console, I think. Hmm. They actually had it. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, this had an Apple II. You can see how this could get released for all this stuff. By the way, it had an Apple II GS release. Mm -hmm. uh, it was native on the Atari ST. This guy was an Atari ST programmer that came up with it. Uh, Game Boy had a, had a version, which that's the one that really threw me off. <laughs> uh, DOS and Tandy, of course, uh, and uh, um, EGA, CGA. And it's in a couple compilations. Now, when you load this game up, it doesn't look like much. And I was talking to Boat. When I put this at the house, uh, uh, when I attempted to play with my jacked-up mouse, um, and mouse is vital for this game. Mm -hmm. But when I looked at it, I thought to myself, holy smokes, uh, this looks okay. But when I looked at it here at Boat's, when we really sat down and played it, uh, it looks like an old EGA game. It looked just like one. Mm -hmm. And so you can see how this is. It looked like it was came right off the old uh, Tandy or something like that. It looked just like the graphics are not anything to write home about at right. all. Um, that said, uh, it's one of the games that lives up to the age that graphics don't make the game. Uh, so in this game, you control a ghost. Okay? Simple. And his controls are drop-dead simple. You move the mouse around, and the ghost moves around with the mouse. He's basically a big cursor, effectively. Mm -hmm. And then you hit the mouse buttons. If you click on the left mouse button, he rotates one way. And if you click on the right mouse button, he rotates the other. Uh, sort of like, um, I don't know, nothing that does that, but sort of like the ship in Asteroids. When you hit the button, you can rotate mm -hmm. one way or the other. Um, you use the shift key... Uh, or the uh, space bar too will also work on the Amiga version, and you can uh, and he blows. He's just mm -hmm. you know, uh, sort of like we do, but he actually does it in the game. <laughs> but anyway, uh, and so there's a bubble somewhere on the screen, and the goal of the game is to blow this bubble out the door, out the passage on the other side of the screen. Sounds simple. On the first screen, you just walk, you just move your guy up to it, position him. He's got a little mouth, you know, you can see it. And you can tell which way you're aiming. You blow, you hit the button, and he'll blow this thing. You just kind of follow it, and you blow it off the screen. Easy. Well, then you get to a second level where there's maybe some blades in the way. You have to kind of maneuver the bubble. Then you get to the next level, there's a candle there. And you can't go put the bubble over the candle. The candle will, will burst the bubble. So you have to go up and blow the candle out. Interactive environments with, 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 the, uh, uh, with the ghost. The ghost can go through anything. He doesn't get hurt. But if the bubble breaks, the ghost turns around and looks at you, and he's pissed off. Yeah, he's mad. And you can also, if you break and breathe too long, he'll turn red, and he runs out of breath. He's like, ooh, <laughs> you know. So it's it, this sounds like a simple concept, but I believe they've got 40 levels. And just from the ones we played, plus the ones we saw flip by on the demo, mm -hmm. they look very clever. Yeah. And there's little advertisements in there for... Uh, other accolade games there's a sign that says play hardball um just little things like that that's kind of neat mm -hmm. the uh, the game was originally programmed now the amiga version as i mentioned here as i butchered the guy that did it was a guy named uh stefane peak or peck the original program like i said was on the st his name was uh christophone andrini something like Sounds that Sounds like a f1 driver yeah uh, he did this game, and he also did another game on the, uh, I think he did a racing game, actually, on the SD as well. Uh, I was on his site, but there's really not much information about it. He just he mentioned that he did them. Uh, the, the Game Boy game came out in 90. Uh, 
It was the first French game adapted for the Game Boy. Interesting. Allegedly. According to, you know, of course, you, it's wiki. You never know. Um, they came out with a, a spiritual sequel, or an actual sequel, or whatever you want to call it. Really, it's neither of these things. It's more of an upgrade. And it's called Bubble uh, It's called uh, Bubble Plus, basically. Mm-hmm. And Bubble Plus, which I did play this. this I didn't have Ghost Bubbles on my, on my computer. I had Bubbles Plus, which is what I played. And having played them both now, it's the exact same game with, with say, uh, slightly better graphics. I'd say more than slightly enhanced. Um, let's say they went from, say, eight colors to 32. Mm-hmm. You know, but, I mean, otherwise, I, it, you know, I didn't see any changes at all. It looked the same. It played the same. Um, a pretty interesting concept for a puzzler, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it, it reminded me most of a Mac Plus game called Glider that I played uh, a couple weeks ago on an Amigos Plays video because you're you're manipulating an object that has kind of real world, world physics that are affected by air currents. In Glider, uh, you're, you're basically flying a paper airplane from one side of the screen to the other and you're using these events that are in the room that are blowing air either up or down to give you link, you know, to, to lift you up, but they can also hurt you because they can drive you into the ceiling or other places. Um, this is just a, a more complex take on it because you're controlling two objects at once. You've got the ghost. Well, we, I don't know if we mentioned this or not, but the ghost is impervious to all evil. Um, you can put the ghost wherever you want him. He doesn't get hurt by spikes or anything like that. So you're really just trying to protect the bubble. And then the bubble moves very realistically. I mean, like if you blow just a little bit, it'll move slowly. Yeah, the, more. It's amazing. The, yeah. the physics or whatever. I mean, you blow this thing and it floats and it stops, but it... I mean, it, it is momentum. It builds mm-hmm. up momentum. You know, it's it's quite impressive. Actually. Yeah, yeah. And the levels are colorful and they're varied <laughs> and they're different. I really like Bubble Ghost. I, I was impressed. Um, just a little technical information for the technophiles out there. The game was again. It was done on a, a 1040 ST. It was programmed in C and 68,000 assembly language. Uh, there's a uh, there's a digital sound. On there, if you if you listen to it, which I never heard this, uh, but it's supposedly you can hear the author's voice as he digitized himself speaking at some point. Um, this thing, I read some reviews for it. It's funny, a game like this, I don't think these people really got it because their reviews are sort of all over the map. Uh, they they range from say uh, eighty to all the way down to like in the fifties. Wow. You know, and I, I think it's one of those games that you really, you look at it, you're like, look at this, you know. And you really have to sort of sit down and fiddle with it, mm-hmm. you know, to understand what what they're going for. I mean, and, and it's it's a puzzler, pure and simple. Simple, I could set my kid down in front of it and give him some explanation and he could play it. And that's what makes a game fun sometimes. So, this was a pleasant surprise. I give this one a thumbs up. I, I was... I, of, of the games we've done, this is one of the larger surprises because I had low hopes when I saw the thing load <laughs> up. Did you uh, did you check eBay? I did check eBay on this one. Uh, believe it or not, and I was like, man, there's not going to be anything on this. I was wrong, man. There are. Um, you can get them. They're pretty readily available, actually. Uh, you can get them in the U.S., uh, the discs only, uh, 28 to 40 bucks, on, and it's a or best offer, so you might be getting cheaper. Sealed box for this in the U.S. By the way, these are both U.S. prices, uh, eighty to one hundred thirty-three bucks shipped. Uh, so pretty expensive. There were I couldn't find any box copies outside the U.S. Hmm. Weird. That, that never weird. happened. Yeah. 
And and I did find Bubble Plus discs in the UK cheap. You're looking at ten bucks shipped. So if you want to play Bubble Plus, you're in good shape, but you're not going to get the box. Mm. There was nothing out there for boxes. So I find that unusual. Again, it's usually the exact opposite. There's nothing here. So for once, the U.S. has an advantage in a game. Cool. So just to sum up, Ghosts and Goblins, great. Ghouls and Ghosts, nope. Bubble Ghost, A-OK. Probably my favorite of the three, sadly. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Just get your world, world <laughs> DOS and Atari players right. way back, aren't we? Um, so let's get into a little bit of the feedback from last week's show. All right. Um, we did not have high hopes for our Amiga first-person shooter extravaganza. You know, I, before he gets into this, I, you know, I didn't feel great about that show. And I, I know O'Brien sent me a note. He was like, well, you know, these games look worse on a monitor and they're stretched. And he's right. He's right. Mm-hmm. He's dead on. Um, and I played it at home on a non, but I still was not a, it was a, not a low definition television. It was a you know, medium resolution television. Um, so there's something to be said for it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I played stuff that looked a lot uglier back in the day. And looks ain't everything. But, you know, I just didn't have that much fun playing them. That's, and that's you know, so that's how the way Al went down. Yeah, I felt kind of bad after we did the episode. I was like, man, I hope people don't think we're just killing this stuff because it's beloved or whatever, you know. But I remember playing it back in the day. And I didn't. I I liked it more this time around than I did when I first saw it. So now I don't know what that means, mm-hmm. but you know. It, so hopefully, you know, it, no one was like super put out that we kind of killed a little. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we had a, a bunch of different viewpoints expressed. Uh, start off with uh, Barry's world. He said that when Doom came out, if you had an A1200 with an O30 and 8 megabyte of RAM, it would have ran perfectly at the time. It was just id didn't want, they just refused to put it out. They didn't believe there were enough owners of that that processing the machines with that processor to make it worth their while. Yeah, I have heard that tale and that they refused to put it out, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Now, this guy named Wiggy Diggy Poo uh, said... That uh, <laughs> as, yeah, as an a, as a a six hundred and a late a twelve hundred owner, I tended to be he tended to prefer a game called Hired Guns. Hired Guns, yes. Oh, are you familiar with yes, that? Yes, I am. Yes. And he said, if you wanted to play Doom, he'd just go over to his friend's house. We should put Doom. Hired Guns on the list because I remember really liking that back in the day. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, and um, he said, uh, and then this other guy, this is all Reddit comments, uh, Jimmy G. He said that um, there were some first-person shooter games that came out towards the very end of the Amiga's commercial life that kind of challenged Doom. Um, there's a game called Nemac 4. Uh, Alien Breed 3D2, I guess, is much better than Alien Breed 3D. I've heard that, yeah. Um, and then a Genetic Species, again, you know, we didn't cover Which, that, that one, we'll, we'll probably, when we do 3D Games 2, mm-hmm. those two will probably get put on the list. Yeah. And the other one he mentioned, the first one, I've not heard of that one. Yeah. Um, Chris, I, I never heard of Genetic Species 2, though, until you mentioned it. Yeah, so maybe, we, yeah, like you said, we should do Alien Breed 3D2 and Genetic Species. Uh, Chris Folds, uh, he agrees. He says that Alien Breed 2 on the Amiga, about as good as it got. Um, but he says that the, um, you know, the Amiga just wasn't utilized. You know, it wasn't, it came out and, you know, the architecture was based for these 2D, you know, scrolling games. That was what it was for. Yeah, I mean, if you consider, again, 1985. Right, right. <laughs> well before Doom. Um, and he said that, uh, and then the Cake is a Lie Gaming, 
uh, he, he responded and he said, even though he has a soft spot for Alien Breed 3D2, uh, he says it's only now through WinUAE that he can play at a decent frame rate. He said back in the day he had a Blizzard 6830 and he still couldn't run it at full screen and get smooth gameplay. Yeah, I remember, like I said, I had a, a, for the longest time I had just a plain Jane Amiga 1000, and uh, I ended up getting a, a 500 for a while. But I, for you know, I when you played some of these games on like a stock Amiga, man, they were gloom. I remember thinking, Jesus, I can't. What is this? I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, it looks bad and it runs crap. And mm-hmm. what is this? You know. So seeing it over here, and on the 1200. At least I got a feel for I mean, it's a playable something. Right, you know? right. Um, Colin419 wrote in and said that, um, remember how we got stuck in the water there in uh, Alien Breed 3D? He said that that, that that raised platform was actually a lift, and if we would have kind of negotiated our way towards the wall and hit the open door button, it would have lifted us out of I there. See. So. I never went to water right there. So Yeah, good move around. on your part. Yeah. Um, now, do you remember last episode... When we were talking about the Amiga 3500. Yeah. Okay. Guru Anthony wrote in, and he said that the 3500 was apparently the prototype of the 3000T before it was released. No, no kidding. Yeah. Isn't that 3500 one of the ones that uh, Gary, that uh, he found down there in uh, on, on his uh, honey hole, isn't it? I think so. That's where, because that's why we were talking right, about it. Right, right. Because I, I, don't, I don't think I'd even heard of that one. Yeah, so. Um, that might be quite a find. Absolutely. And he said that, um, hey, do you know anything about the graffiti card? Oh, boy, I haven't heard about that for a while. I, rem- I remember reading about him, but, you know, but I don't know anything about him. Yeah, it said it gave the Amiga more colors, and it also added something called a chunky pixel mode to improve performance in games like the, the 3D first-person shooter games. Hmm. Um, so, uh, and then, um, I guess the Indivision ECS, is it gives you all of the power of the graffiti Plus the flicker fixer and all that stuff. Oh, okay. All, all in one. Slick. Yeah. Isn't that nice? Um, okay. And we're moving on. Wow, we did get a lot of feedback, eh? Yeah. Um, let's see. In this, maybe this is, uh, I don't know who this was. I apologize. I did not copy your name. but Mr. X. Yeah. He says, Gloom Deluxe looks very beautiful in one-by-one one pixel mode. Worth giving a go for sure. I don't know what one-by-one one pixel mode is. But, uh, and oh, this is O'Brien's. This is his comment. Okay. Because he's talking about how they both look better on a CRT because yes. the colors flow more together. Sorry, O'Brien's. I just forgot to copy your name because I thought I'd remember that it was you. And then he also said that uh, these games also have network mode. And, they, you know, uh, he said that him, yes. that him and his buddies played Gloom and Alien Breed 3D against each other at demo parties in the 90s. Didn't we mention that? Because uh, I knew that. Yeah. Yeah. I thought we did. Yeah. And so, uh, thank you. All of you for writing in, uh, and uh, please continue to do so. Um, so before we get out of here, uh, we should take a moment to thank our Patreon supporters: mm. um, Graham W. Vebke, saying that hopefully okay. Rob O'Hara, Paul Harrington, Laurent Giroux, Jonas Rulo, Colbjorn Barman, Tapes from the Crypt, Adam Bradley, Chris Folds. William Williams, Daniel Bingston, O'Brien's Retro and Vintage, Chad Halstead, and Brent Dowdy. And if you, faithful listener, would like to support us on Patreon, just go over to patreon.com slash amigospodcast. Uh, next week, what do you want to do? I think we should do bar games. I was thinking the same thing. Bam! 
Good I was job. thinking the same thing. Good job, bodiless head. Yeah. So, uh, next week we're going to do bar games. Just kind of a little out of the ordinary pick. Something a little fun, a little kooky. Plus uh, you got a bar right there. Yeah. It works out great. We will we will uh, visit my basement bar and play some bar games. Yes, outstanding. <laughs> All right, until then, we'll see you next time. Adios. Adios.